Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and I'm glad you've joined us today. A lot of schools across Michigan are going to be offering in-person learning again starting next month. Plenty of other districts have been offering some in-person classes for some time, and the state has been collecting data on how many COVID-19 outbreaks are happening in those schools. Overall, the science and data suggest that schools are not a significant spreader of COVID-19. But outbreaks are still happening. And my next guest is one of the first reporters to try to put all that data together to paint a picture of what school outbreaks look like in Michigan. But he also says the analysis comes with a lot of caveats because the state's data is often incomplete or unreliable. I want to welcome Kobe Levin, a reporter for Chalkbeat, to Detroit Today to discuss this article he wrote this month titled, This is the Best Available Count of COVID-19 Cases in Michigan Schools. Here's what it means. Kobe, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's start with the big takeaways from your efforts to compile all this data in a way that makes it uh, understandable for your readers. So uh, the key thing that the data and and related research are showing us is that schools uh, are not super spreaders. That is, so far in our experience in Michigan, uh, when classrooms reopen, there hasn't been a a huge spike in cases. Uh, We're not seeing uh, in in the typical situation uh, that uh, a huge number of students and staff in any given reopened school are becoming infected. from there, things uh, do become quite a bit less clear. As you mentioned, the quality of the data is pretty low. People are busy doing a lot of things uh, and you know, reporting detailed and uh, you know, accurate information about COVID in schools uh, isn't necessarily at the top of the priority list for school staff right now. Um, still, we do have uh, you know, a, a decent picture of what's been going on, and, and it points to the fact that schools uh, with appropriate safety measures are able to open without uh, rapidly uh, increasing the spread of the coronavirus in their, in their surrounding communities. And that's all provided, and this is really important, that's provided that the, the case rates uh, in, in the area aren't already very high. So assuming that, that uh, case rates are at a, a low or moderate levels, it seems like schools are able to open without drastically speeding up uh, uh, the spread of the coronavirus. And and I'm not sure that the data would give you this answer, but what's the reason that uh, we haven't seen massive outbreaks in schools? Is it that schools are, are doing what they should be doing to keep kids and teachers safe? Yeah, you know, I think if, if you visit uh, a school where in-person instruction's taking place these days, uh, you'll see a lot of masks. Uh, you'll see uh, students doing their best to social distance, not something that comes natural, especially to younger kids. Uh, but, uh, you know, teachers and administrators uh, really are doing their best. Uh, the fact that we're able to bring people together in classrooms, um, doing something that really many of us have been trying to avoid throughout the pandemic without having massive spread of, of the virus indicates that uh, schools are doing their best in many cases to reduce the uh, the spread. And, you know, there we know what works. Masks work. Social distancing works. Uh, increasing ventilation in schools works. Um, you know, we had the fall to figure some of those things out and to see that they really were effective. Um, and I think uh, a reasonable conclusion from the limited data that we have 
is that schools are uh, are putting those measures in place. Mm. So you write in a piece that, quote, the numbers should be taken with a heaping grain of salt to talk about what, what the limitations are of the data that we have. So um, the numbers that are getting collected at the state level are only in connection with outbreaks. And you can get really technical real quick here because uh, outbreaks are uh, an epidemiological term that, uh, you know, come with a bunch of specifications. So if there's a single case in a school that doesn't meet those uh, strict definitions, it wouldn't be reported in this data set. Then you have to add in the fact uh, that you're asking school staff who are already doing a whole lot uh, uh, of extra work trying to prevent the spread in their schools um, and who are dealing you know, with really an unprecedented, uh, unprecedented situation overall. You know, you're asking them to you know, input additional information in a system that was developed you know, just in the last few months. And uh, yeah, things get a little messy. So it's pretty difficult uh, to do something like, say, here is the, the case rate in Michigan schools so far. Um, but, you know, there's a lot that we can say, uh, you know, based on uh, uh, case data in surrounding communities and, uh, you know, just taking a common sense look at the information that we do have. So uh, you also say your chart answers some questions that state officials have failed to answer at this point. What are those questions and what are the answers? So, uh it has, it has not been clear from the state's reporting on the coronavirus in schools uh, how many outbreaks have uh, occurred cumulatively in schools and how many cases have been connected to those outbreaks. Uh, those numbers at our last update are uh, there have been 571 outbreaks uh, reported in Michigan schools, uh, over 4,200 cases. Um, and that has probably since risen in the last week. Um, we are we are working to update this data uh, consistently week to week, um, and so you know th- that does give us a picture um, of uh, how often students and staff are getting sick, uh, how common it is for the virus to uh, to spread at least a little bit in schools. Uh, but it's important to say that you know for each outbreak, the the reality for students and sort of danger factor for students and staff can vary a lot. Um, in some cases, uh, you know, an outbreak can be just two COVID cases. Um, and, you know, you, that might require closing a single classroom. Uh, the rest of the school may be able to continue on. Uh, so there is quite a bit of uh, a sort of local context that folks need to keep in mind. And I should add one more thing, which is sort of maddeningly, uh, every school and school district are, are required to, to post information about each individual case on their websites. And that information may well be much better than the outbreak data that the state is collecting uh, from across the state. But uh, the schools have not been required to submit that information into any uh, central count. Um, and so far, uh, no one has gone through the 842 school district websites and collected all of the case data that's posted there. Um, though I'd certainly like to do that. And uh, we, that may be in the works. Uh, I'm talking with Kobe Levin, a reporter for Chalkbeat, who wrote an article this month titled, This is the Best Available Count of COVID-19 Cases in Michigan Schools. Here's what it means. We're talking about uh, the possibility of outbreaks as we see more and more children and students return to full-time in-person learning in schools. That's going to really grow over the next few weeks and into March. 
if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us how you're feeling about schools returning to in-person learning starting next month, despite the fact that the pandemic really is not over. Even though we've got the vaccines rolling out all over the state and all over the country, we still are seeing lots of people get sick from coronavirus. And, and unfortunately, a, a, a large number of people are still losing their lives to the disease. Uh, do you think they will be able to open schools safely? We especially want to hear from you if you're a parent or a student or teacher or staff member who's part of this big return to in-person learning and school building soon. Do you feel safe going back uh, or welcoming students or sending your kids off to school uh, in in in-person fashion? As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you go to Twitter, hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to include you in the conversation. Also, give us a call and let us know, if you're a parent, how well you feel your local school district has been communicating with you about what they want to do, how they will maintain safety, what what steps have been taken to make sure that schools aren't hotspots for uh, for COVID-19, and whether you feel satisfied with uh, that communication and with the efforts that, uh, that the schools have made. Again, 313-577-1019 uh, is, is the number on the phones. And again, you can go to Facebook or Twitter, and we'll try to include you into the conversation that way. Um, uh, Kobe, uh, before we go to listeners, uh, what do you think this says about the safety of returning to in-person instruction, especially as all of these districts prepare to do this next month, are, are we ready for a massive return to school buildings in this state? Uh, you know, there are lots of reasons to be cautious. Um, virus hasn't gotten any less dangerous. Uh, it hasn't stopped spreading. Uh, you can expect that as schools return, there will be more cases in schools. I mean, that's just the public health reality. And what's more, uh, you know, because we haven't invested uh, perhaps as much as we should have in school buildings, uh, schools often don't have uh, things like HVAC systems uh, that would provide you know, adequate ventilation and would reduce the spread of the, of the virus in schools. So, you know, there are a lot of reasons to be really careful right now, uh, but there's also, uh, you know, effective precautions that schools can take. And that they seem to be taking. Uh, and the reality is that a lot of school districts are opening right now. Um, so uh, we got to hope for the best. Mm, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what you're hearing from your local school district about reopening, what you're hearing about the precautions that they're taking to make sure that uh, schools don't spread the virus more more virulently than than it's already being being spread. Uh, give us a call. Let us know what you're hearing from your local school district and whether you feel comfortable participating in this move back to in-person learning. 313-577-1019 is the number. Let's go to Elena in Detroit. Elena, welcome to Detroit. Today. Hi, good morning. Hey. I, I just wanted to say that um, there's a return to classroom face-to-face without having a full vaccination program in place. And it kind of sends a mixed message that 
vaccines are not really essential for the return or for the safe return, the students and their families and school personnel and teachers have not all been vaccinated because we don't have a full vaccination plan in place. So when they send people back in without being fully vaccinated, but suggest that they get the vaccine, then it really sends a mixed message to people that it's okay to go back in without the vaccine. And I just wondered what your thoughts are like, because you can't go in without your polio or tuberculosis or anything else. Mm. And yet we've lost track of our students. Yeah, that's a great question, Elena. And when the governor said a few weeks ago that she wanted school districts to return to in-person learning by by March 1st, that was kind of what popped into my head, too, was, okay, well, what are you doing about vaccinations? Why aren't teachers at the front of the line then to make sure that they all get vaccinations, staff and other other folks who work at schools are, are, are part of this so that uh, – so that we can reopen and, and know that there isn't the danger there. That wasn't what happened. And yet we still are talking about uh, reopening schools. Kobe, uh, talk about that that disconnect between the message that says, let's go back to school and the actions that have been taken that leave lots of people un, unvaccinated who will be in schools. So schools are used to being able to reassure parents kind of in, in sort of black and white terms, uh, we are uh, a safe place to send your child. Um, there's good reason for them to say that. Uh, you know, they, uh, parents demand a safe place for their children. And unfortunately, the pandemic has created a reality where that's just not possible. Um, public health, health experts will tell you that if you put kids back in school, uh, the virus is going to spread at least somewhat. Um, so, this gets into a really, really hard trade-off that school districts uh, have uh, been forced to make because uh, the virus is just out of control, that they're dealing with it with a tough situation. So the question is, is it worth bringing students back into classrooms, um, given that there is some health risk, and also given just how damaging it is to children to be out of school? Mm. Um, you know, we've, uh, we know that we've lost a lot of learning time Students are losing ground academically, and that could have implications for them down the road. Uh, There are services uh, like school meals that kids are uh, used to receiving at school. Uh, There are the emotional benefits of being at school. Uh, The New York Times recently uh, uh, did a survey of uh, public health experts and pediatricians on just this question, and virtually all of them said, Yes, even before the vaccine has been widely received by teachers and by the general population, it makes sense to have at least some children back in school for just the reasons that I've mentioned. It's better for it's better for kids uh, to to have this in-person option. Um, And so, you know, it's an uncomfortable reality. This is not a perfect situation. Uh, The pandemic has gotten out of control and there's a significant number of, of experts uh, of, and of school districts at this point who are saying, uh, effectively, it is worth the risk uh, to reopen classrooms. Mm. Mm. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation uh, with Kobe Levin of Chalkbeat about the reopening of schools, the return of many, many schools uh, to in-person learning which is going to happen over the next few weeks. We want to also continue to hear from you. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us what you think about this return to school. If you're a parent, if you're a teacher, 
give us a sense of what is going on in your district. How well are they communicating what they want to do? How confident are you that they will be able to keep people safe? Stay tuned for more Detroit Today. News, music, culture, and community. Every day on 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is Kobe Levin. He's a reporter for Chalkbeat. Wrote an article this month titled, This is the Last, the, the Best Available Count of COVID-19 cases in Michigan schools. Here's what it means. He has taken a look at the data that the state has released about the spread of coronavirus in schools as we think about and are preparing for a pretty big return of students to in-person uh, in-person learning. Uh, we'd love to hear from you this hour as well. In a little bit, we're going to talk about the gaps that have been highlighted by online learning between black families who are, uh, of course, trying to do this in the middle of lots of the other things that uh, we face on a daily basis in terms of inequality uh, and other families who are doing online learning. Uh, there's an advocate here in Detroit who's really speaking up about that gap and what needs to be done to help uh, more families uh, do this successfully. Uh, but we also want to hear from you right now about what your experience is with your local school district. Are you preparing to send your kids back to school for in-person learning? Uh, give us a sense of what you've heard from the local school district about what they're doing to make sure that people are safe. Uh, tell us how high your confidence is that the, the local school district is going to be able to do that without uh, much of a, an outbreak or the spread of, of coronavirus in schools. Also give us a call, though, and let us know if you are not comfortable with this return to in-person learning. Uh, the governor said a few weeks ago that she wanted all schools to be back to in-person learning uh, by the beginning of March, but we also have not seen the kind of vaccination efforts that you would hope would have accompanied that, uh, that, that announcement uh, to make sure that all teachers and faculty and staff and other folks who work in uh, schools could, uh, could be vaccinated before they went back. Uh, so are you somebody who's looking at all of this and saying, hmm, not quite yet, not ready to participate in this uh, in the way that uh, the state wants us to. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to social media, Facebook or Twitter, put, uh, put comments there, and we will try to work you into the conversation here. Uh, Colby, Colby, you've also been uh, reporting on the need for many schools to improve their air quality. Uh, what's the problem that uh, that schools are having, and what are the, some of the solutions? So uh, most schools in Michigan are uh, either fairly old, uh, so old that they don't have uh, what we would think of as sort of modern mechanical uh, heating systems that have uh, fans, they use radiators, um, and, and many others have older, uh, older systems, uh, mechanical systems that have fans. So why does this matter? Because 
those systems are moving air through schools that almost certainly, once uh, there are people back in the schools, are carrying some viral particles that could potentially get people sick if they're inhaled. Now, the best systems, up-to-date systems, will have filters uh, that are fine enough that they can actually remove the virus from the air. Now, not many schools in Michigan have systems that are capable of doing that kind of filtration work. Mm. So they're stuck doing things like opening windows uh, in the middle of this cold snap in an attempt to get some fresh air into into classrooms. Which, again, it, it raises the real question about how prepared we are for <laughs> this this return to schools. I mean, uh, it's another dimension of the state's role, I think, in in making sure that uh, that we're that we're doing what we can to make sure that that things are safe. I mean, air quality, even before this, was an issue. But given the pandemic, given given the way that the pandemic uh, uh, has taught us about transmission and and air, it it just seems it just seems a little incredulous that uh, the state hasn't hasn't focused on this is not doing uh, more yeah so the, i mean the state does not uh, fund school buildings it does not pay for upgrades doesn't pay for new school buildings that's generally down to local taxpayers mm-hmm. so you know if you uh, if you live uh, in detroit your taxes are going to go towards uh, improving detroit school buildings um, what what that's meant, though, is that lower income communities where property values are lower have trouble raising as much money through taxes to fund upgrades to schools. Things like installing a really high quality ventilation and heating system that would be capable of, uh, yes, filtering the virus out of the air, but also pollutants mm-hmm. you know, that might be in, in, in the environment. So uh, are there school districts in Michigan that do have really high quality ventilation systems that are going to be able to use that as uh, one one uh, key tool in fighting against the virus, uh, yes, but especially in lower income communities across the state, there are many that just uh, that just don't have the buildings. And uh, um, the way we've got our school funding structured here in Michigan, the state uh, really is not doing anything at all. Hmm. Again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Nicole in Westland. Nicole, welcome to the show. Hi. Good morning. Hi. Um, so I was just calling because I have children who are at home right now. They're planning to go back March 1st. Um, I have a middle schooler who has literally never been to the middle school, and she will have to get used to all of that, plus carrying her books around because they will not have lockers. Mm. So there's going to be that. If there's any kind of outbreak, they're going to end up sending them home. Um, at this point, I feel that kids need to be at home. It's three and a half more months. They can finish out the year. I understand the the mental impact it's having on children. I'm feeling it. My kids are feeling it. But right now is not the time to send them back. They're going to end up in spring break at the end of March. If there's an outbreak, they'll end up having to shut down the schools anyway. Acclimating kids to a brand new situation after they've been doing this for nine, almost nine months is just it's not a good idea if we just let them stay at home for the next three and a half months we can have time to put filters in we can have time to vaccinate the teachers Mm. we can make it safe to go back and i think we're rushing it it's just not a good idea right now and i understand why they want to but this is just not a good time so so nicole 
I want to. I have a couple questions for you. Has the has the district that your your kids attend given you any option to to not send them back to to in person so learning? The only option we were given was to do what's called Ingenuity. It's an online um, learning platform. There really were not teachers available. I had neighbors in the area who tried to do it at the start of the year instead of doing um, online through the school, mm-hmm. and they were not happy with it. They pulled their kids out. They put them back into the Wayne Westland School District. Um, and at this point, um, I really, I'm gonna, I feel like I have to send my kids back, mm-hmm. knowing how my kids learn that they need teachers to be there for them so they can ask questions if they are confused rather than teaching themselves, they need to have that. But only offering hybrid as opposed to, you know, giving them an option of maybe staying at home all the time and just being at home and watching all day um, from from an online perspective. That would have been better. And they did not offer that. And at this time, I just feel like, they're rushing it. I understand why. And there's a big push to get kids back in school. Mostly, I think it's from parents who are overwhelmed and just want their kids to go back to school. And I get it. Sure. So, but, so I, I, had, I had another question for you. How, how well do you feel like the district has communicated with you about sending your kids back and about the safety measures that they're taking? And how confident do you feel, I guess, that that they are doing the things that need to be done? They've been very open with communication. Uh, lots of emails from the school board, from the principals of both of my kids' schools. Um, very open about all they've done to try and make it safe. But honestly, Wayne Westland is a poor district. Not the poorest, but it's a poor district. We don't have ventilation systems that are set up to do this. Um, they're older buildings. And it's really, it's not a safe situation, not to mention the fact that they, they're talking about how kids need more monitoring, that they should be back in school to be monitored. My kids are monitored five days a week right now. You know, they get on, they have to log into every single class. And instead, when you go back hybrid, instead they'll log on the two days they're in, you know, in school, they'll be there at school monitored. And then a half day on Wednesdays where everybody logs mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. But then the other two days a week, they log in in the morning and they don't talk to the teacher the rest of the day. And they're sending us emails saying, make sure your kid's doing their work all day. And you're like, well, what if I'm not home? Mm-hmm. My kid's not being monitored. And if that's the, the reason for saying kids back, then that's also not a good idea. Yeah. There's just so many reasons not to send them back yeah. that the reasons to send them back are moot right. at this point. They just don't make sense. Nicole, I really appreciate uh, your call and, and your candor about, uh, about what's going on in, in the district that you're dealing with. Uh, Kobe Levin, I would imagine that there are a lot of parents in that same, in that same category, just not sure about how, how safe it is. What, what's the state saying to districts about what they should do to accommodate parents who who don't want to send their kids back to full-time in person? So uh, Nicole's story is a really interesting one, and I haven't heard a lot like it. Uh, the, the most common scenario uh, that we're seeing playing out 
uh, is that districts will return to some uh, in-person instruction, but will give uh, families an option. Uh, And in fact, that's what the governor recommended when she said that that, uh, schools should offer an in-person option. I I think the assumption built in there is that they're already virtual and that they'll have the choice to continue uh, in virtual instruction. And Nicole is far from alone uh, and may, may even be in the majority uh, in the state, especially in, in our more urban areas, in just thinking that it's not, it's not time. It's too early. Uh, the risks are too high for her children. Um, for just for instance, when Grand Rapids opened for the first time in the pandemic uh, back in January, uh, 50% of their parents uh, said that they wanted to be in person. Mm. That means 50%, uh, you know, we're, we're thinking, mm, you know, this isn't time. And we've seen pretty similar uh, uh, survey results. Uh, when other districts have opened. Um, but by and large, um, you know, what we're hearing is that families are being offered an option. Uh, you know, it's pretty concerning to hear uh, from Nicole that she is being, uh, you know, in effect told that, you know, she can have her kids on, uh, you know, one of these learning programs that won't really connect her with a teacher or she can uh, send them to a classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Nicole, really appreciate the call uh, and you're sharing what's going on with uh, your district um, let's go to Hemang in Canton. Hemang, welcome to the show. Hi, uh, how's everyone? Good morning. Uh, uh, I just wanted to add like a couple points. Like first uh, uh, and most important point here is accountability. Like uh, we talk about uh, governor's decision and then school district's uh, uh, decision to bring uh, students in in the in classroom learning. And uh, the fact is, like, that is the future. It's going to happen. Hmm. May that be the March 1st or maybe may that be the next school year or later on. But then that's going to happen eventually. And uh, where we are in the pandemic, it seems uh, the pandemic is turning into endemic. So this uh, infection is going to be around. Now, back to the topic about the accountability mm-hmm. is uh, – my my kid, like uh, she was actually uh, enrolled in the Safe Start in Canton Community School District, and then uh, what we experienced was like uh, uh, all the responsibility of making sure that the kid does not have any symptoms related to infection or the body temperature is not higher than the normal temperature. So these uh, responsibilities were put on parents rather than not much was done by the school or school district. Mm. So there were no policies highlighting that school district, what precautions the school district will uh, take in case if a kid show up with a fever uh, in the classroom. That's one. The second is like uh, they were just talking about the hand sanitizers and then limited break times, which was all good. Uh, But then here is a fact. Even like when this virus was not around, uh, according to pediatricians in Michigan, this is what I heard from my kids' uh, pediatrician. Mm-hmm. Is like uh, kids do, like especially in the elementary schools, kids do come down with flu at least two to three times a year. So that that is the, I'm just comparing these with flu. Yeah. So similarly, the refer, uh, like similarly, the chances of contracting the infection, like these one, if there is an outbreak, uh, they also exist, and then uh, the kids are more prone to catching one. Right. And if they do come down, 
then uh, the responsibility is put on parents to actually keep them home and then keep them quarantined and care for them. And uh, so, so hey, Mang, quickly, are are you planning to send your children back to full time in person? Uh, yes. You are. Uh, like I said, like uh, it's going to happen. Uh, may that be March or next year. But mm. then here is the thing. Like uh, I don't see much is discussed in terms of the accountability right. that uh, what school is doing. I mean, why can't we actually install the thermal sensor like uh, there are like the ones installed in the hospitals? Sure, sure. Or why can't they have? Why can't there be a system to monitor the body temperature? Uh, and one another thing that I wanted to point out about the New York Times article that was discussed. Uh, the pediatricians who are actually uh, suggesting these, like about uh, starting the school, uh, in-person school, uh, it, it's it's very, like, it would be very interesting to actually uh, evaluate their affiliation with the studies that are actually evaluating how safe the schools safe are the in schools this are. pandemic, yeah. that being one. The second uh, is... Uh, during last year, I had several uh, I mean, health checkup visits uh, for my kids, and the pediatrician practice that I actually go to, it's housed by six pediatricians, and uh, I saw them double mask with a face shield. So every time I went there, so that mm-hmm. that's the barrier they were actually standing behind, despite mm-hmm. the fact we were putting uh, filling the questionnaire that uh, okay we are free of uh, any of the COVID-19 related symptoms. There is no body temperature higher than the normal uh, limit. Right. Still, so uh, that's the mindset. So like we talk about a group of uh, pediatricians from a New York Times article, but at the same time the pediatricians uh, here in Michigan, so uh, they are standing behind these barriers. Yeah, they're right. Hey, Mong, I really appreciate uh, your call and sharing uh, those experiences with us again. I think, uh, you know, all, all parents are kind of in the same the same boat here, trying to, to, to figure out exactly what they're supposed to do, given what the state's position is. I, I quickly want to go to Bill in Macomb County uh, and get his perspective here. Bill, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me on. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Um, I would uh, just like to share my experience uh, with my family. My wife and I were incredibly skeptical um, about all the procedures in place, and we were really concerned about sending our daughter in the fall. And we had to make a decision whether to uh, send her face-to-face or go with the distance learning option. Um, we've been really conservative and safe with everything, uh, our own precautions during the pandemic. And I know we are going. We went through a, the experience a lot of our parents are going through, um, which was gut wrenching in trying to make the choice. Having been through it and um, somewhat on the other side now, I can say sending my daughter face to face was a really good choice. Um, the district is implementing a number of procedures to keep the kids safe mm-hmm. within, uh, you know, their power, everything they can do. And um, I know that there are some localized issues within each district that make that more challenging. But um, for the parents that are experiencing a lot of anxiety, I would just say that having the kids back in their school um, with their friends, with their teachers in some normal environment is a really, really good thing Mm. for children right now. And as tough as it is, you know, I've been there. Uh, to make that decision to send them, um, they thrive much better than they do um, 
and you know when they're not in and school. bill you're you're confident about the way your district has handled precautions and safety as well yes i am um however i would say in the beginning my wife and i were incredibly skeptical because it seemed as though mm. um you know the plane was being flown as it was being built mm-hmm. which was true <laughs> um and we had some serious concerns about how they were going to implement all these procedures um but they've really stepped up and her school in particular has done it. Um, the teachers, administration have been great. And I think if you have that level of commitment from the staff and the community, it can work. That it's possible. Um, it's not to say it's possible everywhere, but it definitely can work. Yeah. And um, it's been a good experience for yeah, us. Bill, Bill, I, I, I appreciate uh, your calling and, and sharing that story too, which which may give some parents a little more confidence about, uh, about what's about to happen. Kobe Levin, before I let you go, let us know how how uh, how widespread you think the return for in-person learning will be and how quickly it will happen. This March 1st goal that uh, Governor Whitmer put out, is that is that going to be realized in most places? I, I think it's a little too early to say that. There are certainly some larger districts, I'm thinking of uh, Ann Arbor, for instance, that are still uh, skeptical and, and can even point to a new guidance out from the CDC, uh, which does take you know, a pretty conservative approach to school reopening. Um, so some, some districts will, uh, will remain closed. Uh, many parents will continue to keep their kids at home. That said, uh, just over the last month, we had more students in person than at any point since September. Mm. And more districts are expected to come back in person. So it seems clear that we're moving into another phase Mm. uh, with with really a a pretty strong majority of of all students attending at least some school in person. Yeah. Okay. Kobe Levin, reporter for Chalkbeat. Great to have you here with us for this conversation. Thanks very much. Thanks so much for having me. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to take a look at how black and brown families are retooling amid the pandemic to set up homeschooling opportunities for young people. Stay with us for more Detroit Today.